podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to part two of this two-part Spurs show special with Colin Calderwood, the former Tottenham Hotspur central defender who was on fine form... Uh, in front of a live audience at the Albany. This is the point in some ways where your Tottenham career really, this is the Colin Caldwell we remember now because you're playing a lot of games and you're playing very, very well, very solid and, and you could play a bit as well. You weren't just a, you said earlier, you, you kind of made out you're a bit of a, yeah, I mean, you were, you, you could play football, couldn't you, as a centre-half? Um, enough. Enough, enough yeah, 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 enough. But Jerry, Jerry must have helped your game. I mean, suddenly, you know, under Aussie, I know the team pattern was different, but very rare to have a clean sheet under Aussie. But then under Jerry, that remainder of that first season, we had 11 clean sheets. So you must have contributed to that. How did he improve your game and the, t- the defensive side of the team? In, in the end, we did, we did a bit more drill work with, with defenders. Um, this is how we're going to mark when crosses come in. This is how we're going to mark when it's a corner. Right. This is how we're going to probably a, a bit more practice and set uh, attacking set plays. Right. And then always falling back on that, <coughs> the sort of flamboyance, flair, right. and the ability of the rest of the team that was there, which was still Jurgen. And, and we just sort of gradually grew. We, we ground lots of games out and then we... Uh, I think what happened, the supporters came with us in, on that journey because hmm. it wasn't as exciting, no. but there was some real good games. I think when we played Blackburn and Sheffield Wednesday, I don't know if you remember this, the goal Jurgen scored. It, he sort of hit it half volley, and it was never. Was that against Blackburn? Was it Blackburn or Sheffield Wednesday? Sheffield, right. and it came. It came right. from nowhere, and there was a roar in the crowd that I've never heard yeah. because it was so un, so unexpected. Yeah. So that you you've always got that ability, you've always got that level of player ahead of you. Yeah. But I think if it was really the first time I felt the fans loved the endeavour. Yeah. And they loved the hard work, and and probably around that period I gained some sort of um, appreciation. It's probably a nice way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, but also the reason we looked at it and it seemed to be working. You looked at Jerry Francis when he joined. It was probably the hottest young managerial property around, really. I mean, he's done amazing work at QPR. He had that great pedigree of having been England football captain and everything. And I think, I mean, God knows we've had plenty of these, but it was one of those false dawns where we're thinking, this is going to be, this is big now. We're going to be right. And of course, it didn't really happen. Um, I think what Jerry did as well, which is... Um 
So he used to video match of the day, cut his VHS up and bring it in. And and we used to debrief a lot more right. on the games. Right. So we'd look at the reasons that chances happened against us. Yeah. And he, on a Monday morning, he'd be quite quite direct and quite cutting. Mm. And um, not as cutting as as far as going into the crack of his arse, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> they were tight. He was a man with his own style, let's yeah, say. He was, yeah. He's very much of his own style. And he was a, quite, uh, it was a pitching fan- fancier as well, as, as I recall. Did he talk much about the pigeons? No, no. OK. No. no, I don't think he would, you know. He spent <laughs> a bit of stick in the dressing room, wouldn't he? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he was quite a. He was a hard man, wasn't he? I mean, you heard stories about him being. He's pretty bit of a taskmaster. I mean, I'll tell you something. I've probably told this story before, but my great friend Matthew Hamilton, who is a literary agent, I, I don't know. He probably might not thank me for naming him for this. Is probably off the record when he told me, but it was twenty. You know what is it? Twenty-five years ago or something like that. And he he did a book with him at the time, and we were going to the games together. And he's, I said, "How's it going with Jerry Francis? Because he's the manager of our team, and he's and he's having meetings with him." He said he's great, he's, uh, but he's very, he's very, very confident. And I'd said to him in the last meeting, you know, we've had a couple of really good results. The team seems to be playing very well. And, he, and, and Matthew mentioned a few players. And Jerry said, yeah, you can mention the players. But to be honest, you give me, tw- you give me 11 monkeys, I'll get them getting results. It's really, <laughs> it's, he, he felt mm. that he, you know, he was confident in his tactical acumen, shall we say. Did, that co- did, you, did, did he come across that way? Yeah, de- definitely. And, but um, whereas Ozzy was carefree and everything was about positivity and, and, and improving your confidence and a freedom to go and try, it wouldn't matter yeah. if anything went wrong. Glenn, Glenn had a level that was still above Jerry. Jerry was really good, but Glenn has a level above everybody that I've ever met. Right. In terms of what? That, that Tacti- thoroughness? And, yeah, tactical, yeah. <clears throat> tactical knowledge of the game and... Uh, an inquisitive mind. What if we did it this way? What What if we don't do that? What if we try something else? Right. We we played uh, Cambridge were a direct team when we were at Swindon. Yeah. And um, in the old days, when you if you were behind the line and and you were on right hand side of the pitch and the ball went to the left, um, offside would be given, even though you were nowhere near. Can you remember those archaic rules? Yeah. So we and. Cambridge Swindon just became a bit of a grudge match between them, two varying styles. Yeah. And we then drew them in the FA Cup. So what you got the centre forward to do was to stand where stand and let the goalie kick it out of his hands rather than drop and dribble it and then hit it to the edge of our box. So we, and then he made the centre forward run and stand at the corner flag. So that if we kicked the ball back, they get offside, but it was at the corner flag. Right. And it was just, and it really annoyed them. <laughs> it's uh, just, a, and but it's such a, such a weird, yeah, really thing left to do. field thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not like it, any it other just, sort of tactic. It tipped the balance of. Uh, we were away from home at the time as yeah. well. It tipped the balance of the crowd, and 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 it just it blew their played with their minds. Yeah, played yeah. with their minds, yeah. and they, they lost their focus on the game. Yeah, oh. that, that is extraordinary. That that is an amazing thing about Glenn. Glenn, the ultimate open mind. I mean, I've never heard that. That is amazing. Okay, so, um, of course, Jerry, there's that terrible 7 1. Let's cut to the terrible 7 1. Mm. Were you there, Pete? Thankfully, no. The I can remember I where I was. In Ireland. I couldn't believe it. They just kept going in. The, um, so, around that time, with that great team, how can we get beat so often by so many? Yeah. 
yeah, well, what, what's the answer? I must admit, it, it just happens sometimes. It, it happens, there's no reason. You're, just, you're trying as hard as you did the week before if you'd won. It just, sometimes, we played Newcastle and I think they'd maybe had eight shots and seven, seven registered. It was... Um, okay, it was one of those. Yeah. That can happen, And then yeah. when, when it's... <laughs> When it's happened to you once and then it happens again... It, There's a psychology yeah, to it yeah. then, yeah. And people, you do become scared. Yeah. And it's a great game, fantastic game, profession to be in. But when you're 3 nothing down after a half hour at home yeah. or away from home, it can be a real horrible, lonely place. Yeah. And everyone says, well, you've got to get together, be strong, be yeah. determined. Yeah. But sometimes it just don't work for you. Yeah. Yeah. I often think that when you're watching games like that, I mean, Man United in the last few months or a couple of two or three years, you see them going, you know, being humiliated on their own ground. And you just think, what must it be like standing in the middle of that pitch? Mm. You know, and you know, the, the terrible thing is, yeah, if you're 3-0 down after 20 minutes, you know there's nowhere to go for the next... You, you're stuck with it for over an hour, aren't you? You, you, you? I mean, you must hope to be substituted, I suppose, players. Um, sometimes you just got to ride the storm yeah. a wee bit and... and you take a bit. I've never been the most. Um, I've always kept my feet in the ground. I think. Yeah. And when you have situations like that, and it can happen to the best of teams. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. um, <clears throat> Liverpool went to Aston Villa uh, in the last yeah, couple of years. Absolutely tonked. Yeah. So it, it can happen. And why does it happen? You, I, I can't give you the reason, but yeah. it just it just does happen. You just got to be careful. Yeah. And which uh, if every pundit. Or every every fan would analyse a game and say this is a formation that we need to play to win this game or win the World Cup. It, that doesn't really matter. The crux of it is what what do you do when you're two nothing down after 15 minutes and you've played your perfect formation with your perfect players. Yeah. That that's when you become a coach and a manager and you've you learn about yourself. Right. Right. So. I can't remember how long after was it. Soon after the seven one that Jerry got the sack. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I seem to remember. And um, anyway, we can, let's cut. Let's cut to uh, Christian Gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you remember about Christian Gross? Yeah, but he had he had that unfortunate, and and that sort of public display. Yeah, puts a bit of. Uh, ridicule into yes. him, but he, he was real good coach, modern methods, Yeah, really really hindered by the fact that he wasn't allowed at the beginning of the next season to bring his fitness coach with him, Fritz, who was really good. Why wasn't he allowed? Uh, he didn't get a work permit. Oh, right. And I don't know if we really tried hard enough to get it, but I think right. that would have been really important for him. Yeah. Very honourable man, very, very nice guy. Yeah. Um... The only thing is he played me centre midfield again and that, that wasn't too helpful. <laughs> I mean, you, it's interesting you say that. I remember Sugar saying what an honourable guy he was and, we, he, you know, he, and he said it about Jerry and, and he said it about all of those managers. The only manager Sugar ever said wasn't a good guy was George Graham. But all the rest of it, he said that about Christian Gross and it was, it was regrettable when he had to let him go, same as with Jerry Francis. Yeah, we were playing Everton away was Christian's first game. Yeah. And we'd... Um, the team had played on the Saturday with a reserve game I hadn't played, so we went to Oxford and he, he came with Chris shooting. 
and took virtually took the reserve game a little bit. Um, and I think I, I, I get put in centre midfield on that Monday night. Right. And then leading into the game, you can tell I'm going to get stuck in midfield again here. Yeah. So what I remember about that game is it's full on at Goodison, great atmosphere, yeah. really good. And I remember facing my own goal and the ball's come out and when I see it back on video, I have got 30 yards either side of me with nobody around me, but I'm facing my own goal and the ball's bouncing. And I let it bounce once and I have kicked it as hard as I could in the top tier over the dugouts. <laughs> and Les Ferdinand shouted at me, Colin, Colin, calm down. <laughs> and I said, Les, it's a minefield in here. <laughs> when I was stood in my own, it must have looked horrible. <laughs> and if, if you ever get Les on, ask him. Yeah. We, always, we always smile at one another when we remember that. Yeah. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Then there was the relegation battle, of course, and then Jurgen comes back. Uh, what were you? What were you thinking? That's because we were. Pete and I were looking at the team. You know, well, we, there was something nearly went down, yeah. right? So we're right in a proper relegation battle. I don't think, we, you know, that was the last time we were in a real, genuine uh, relegation battle. We were looking at the team lineups for those games towards the end of the season. That was a team full of good players. I mean, really good international players. How on earth did that happen? How did we end up in a relegation battle? That was, a, that was after Jerry, wasn't it? Jerry and uh, Christian, was it? Yeah, yeah it was Christian. Yeah. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they brought, they brought yeah. Jürgen back in but the January. I think uh, the simple way to do it is players didn't, really un didn't, didn't uh, think the manager was good enough. But you did. It sounds because it's interesting. Yeah. I was going to say to you because you thought he was a good coach and yeah. a good guy, yeah. but people like Gary Mabbott, who I've spoken to many times about him, <coughs> had no time for him no. at all. But he wasn't. He was often not picking Gary no. Mabbott. That was what might have been something to do with it. In fact, Gary Mabbott said that that season uh, he nearly got fired, Gross, but he, the, the, it was all hinging on a game that they ended up winning. I can't remember what game it was, and he said that the board were preparing to give Mabbott and Klinsman right. charge of the team. Were you aware of that? No, no. And uh, but but Gross got a, a got a result in that particular game, and he carried on. So, do you think most of the players were were thinking the way Mabbitt did, and they didn't they didn't really they weren't yeah, playing I, for the manager? Yeah, I, I think as as the leader of the group, yeah, you've you've got to have the respect of that group one yeah. way or the other. Absolutely. And unfortunately, he didn't have enough of the group, right? Thinking he was he was quite good, mm. but. Um, Unfortunately for them, they didn't really know what they're talking about, and he did. Right. 
Right. Because he was an actual, he was the real thing. Uh, he was yeah, a proper I, football I think coach. His, his record before and, and afterwards proves good, yeah. that he knows he knows football. Whether he gets whether it's really settles into football in the Premiership, in the situation we were in at that mm. time, mm. I don't know. But you, you've got to his his job then is really to galvanise that group to get them on the same page to align them and get them going in the right direction, even though they don't like them. Now that that can happen. You don't need to like the manager to to. No do a job for him and he didn't get enough of the group doing that so it's still although the players are at fault yeah he's at fault as well for not being able to address that it's fascinating because you've spent a lot of time as a manager you've, you've, you've done it so you understand that you know better than a lot of ex-players that that you know it's, a, it's very much a, it's like any job you need the talent and the technical know-how but you've got to also if you're going to be a leader you've got to go in and yeah, and, and, and you can't. It's no good having only one, is it? No, I'm, I'm. At the minute, I'm going through the technical director's course with the FA. Right. And a lot of the things we you talk about leadership and uh, culture, but a lot of it is about that uh, communication mm. and that connection with people. Yeah. And and you might not know anything about it, but if you can get someone else to do almost your job for them or a job for you yeah that that might get you there yeah. so Joe Kinnear would be that style of, of he knows football but Joe Kinnear would be that style he could get people people liked him he was jovial he was good in the dressing room he was good in the group you could have a beer with him yeah but other people are maybe not like that that doesn't make them bad mm. but they've, they've got to be they've got to have enough respect from the group or the workers yeah. it doesn't always have to be about football it's, it, we're talking about football but it could be any sport or any business for me yeah, yeah it's yeah. the human side isn't it you know? yeah. the it's human, human the, side is yeah. huge and you've got you've got to be able to connect with the group yeah yeah yeah, it's why Harry was so successful when he came in at Tottenham, you know, that two points from eight games. Yeah. And suddenly he, he put his yeah. arm around players and got them playing again and got confidence yeah. in them. But you look at all the top managers now, you look at Pep and you look at Klopp, and you look at what Potter was like at Tottenham. Mm. They all had that, didn't they? They were all obviously technically very, very sophisticated and state-of-the-art, yeah. but they also had a charisma, and all the players regarded them as... I mean, Harry, you know, they talked about him as a friend. He was, a, he was still the boss, but it was, you know, they yeah. had that ability to connect, didn't they? I, th I think things go in cycles, and I, I, I can definitely see a cycle of uh, one leader, don't listen to anyone, you do as I say. I think that'll come back in right. somehow. Right, somewhere along the line, because some, Mourinho might have been that, but he was very perfect. maybe Conte's a bit like that. Yeah, yes, he seems that way yeah. a little bit, but yeah. somehow, away from the cameras and away from a crowd, he he, he seems to be personable enough that people talk well of him, though, yeah. don't they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, we were talking earlier about that relegation battle. You were talking about that Barnsley game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people tend to remember the six-two down at Wimbledon, you know, where Jurgen scored four, yeah. but. I know you remember quite well the, the game up at Barnsley where you got the equaliser that was so important to us staying up that season. Yeah, that, that was... Um, that's how bad we were. I think at one point that season, I think I had four, four or five goals and I was the second top goal scorer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the team with Ginola and Ferdinand in it and it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It, it is, yeah. And uh, the thing I remember, not just my goal, if you added all my goals together in that season... The, the total yardage would have been about three and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But that goal, that goal, as Pete says at Barnsley, was a crucial goal because Barnsley were right in the relegation scrap with us, wasn't it? And, and so were, to get yeah. a point there set us up for that game at Wimbledon. Yeah. We gave it and, and we'd given a penalty away. We were behind them, I think. Right. So R- Ramon got sent off. And then Ramon... Yeah. <laughs> We can laugh about it now because he wanted to look good in the ball and he was taking his time and then he got rushed. So he went to clear the ball with his left foot, but unfortunately his right foot touched the ball and moved it and his left foot missed it. (laughs) And and I remember standing looking at him and I'm thinking, you big dope, what have you done here? (laughs) And um, he he had to rugby tackle the guy or he brought Ashley Ward down, I think it was. So, and then we were... We were, uh, Stephen Carr, remember, I went back to centre-half. And uh, they'd already beat us in the FA Cup that year. Right. This is how daft football is. Barnsley beat us in the FA Cup and it's a disaster. But the goal they show about David Ginola Gino- yeah. is, is, is that game. Yeah. It makes absolutely no yeah. difference, difference to, yeah. Yeah. to the result. Don't never show that goal That's again. That's the iconic Ginola yeah, goal. Yeah. It's the one Isn't they it? show most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we lost 3-1. Yeah. God, I'd actually forgotten that. I'd actually yeah. forgotten that we'd lost that game. That's yeah. incredible. But the Wimbledon game, of course, was astonishing. What was that like to play in? Um, well, I'm glad I played in it because I wasn't playing. I think someone got injured in the, right. in the morning of the game. Right. Or so in the who warm-up. was being picked ahead of you then? Um, Alan Nielsen well, played. Raman Vega was obviously. No, playing. I was in. But midfield. you were in midfield, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, would it be? Um, so Nielsen, yeah. Kasky. Musa Saeed. Oh my God! Yeah, Musa Saeed. I think he did play. He, I, I think he played, played in that he Wimbledon played. game. Yeah, he, yeah. Sco- he scored as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. why I remember. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who went out, but somebody went out, and I, I had to go in. Right. So, um, but it, that was a real, that was a real good afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Klinsman, of course, scores four goals. And Ben Thatcher got sent off, I seem to remember, playing for them at that point. I think that yeah. helped. He was mad. He, he launched into some... He was cor- mad. He- or he is mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whichever way you want. So, so he, he's as mad as he's seen then. Is he mad? Is he mad? Because he... Yeah. Uh, he's a great personality. So when, when I went back to Tottenham and I've got the reserves, I've got him out of the first team. Yeah, and he was he was brilliant with the young group. Really, brilliant, he's a lovely brilliant bloke, manager. but just crazy once yeah, he gets on the pitch, he's, right? He's, yeah, and, I mean, and off the pitch on a Saturday night. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's, he's just he's good company. Yeah, but some of, <laughs> but some of those tackles. I mean, not just for us, whoever he played. No, yeah, bit bit reckless, yeah, bit naughty. I mean, just unbelievable. But they're not clever in the end, are they? Some of them. No, that's not brave. No. And it's and it doesn't really help at all no. in any way because he get he used to get sent off all the time, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> anyway, we stayed up. I've got a memory of the last game of that season. I think it was Mabbott's last season. I'm pretty sure. And I remember. I don't know. Do you remember at the end of the season they'd you know you all stick around because they're going to do a lap of honour and all that. And I seem to remember Gary Mabbott going to the centre circle at the lane and everyone paying tribute to him because he'd been, I mean, been a fantastic, obviously remains one of the great Tottenham legends. And I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I remember two or three of the players trying to push Ramon Vega into the sense <laughs> as if to say, why don't you leave yeah. as well, Ramon? <laughs> 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 I was, um, Les used to, he had good fun at Ramon's expense right. a lot of the time because Ramon thought it was a good dancer. Right. <laughs> and um, so he, every time he got up on the bus to, to go to the bike to get a drink or whatever it was, 
Les would go, yes, Ramon, come on, come on. And he used to dance all the way up. And he had them on toast, honestly. It was embarrassing. He's like a little puppet. Yeah. Well, he, he did seem... I mean, that, that was one of the things that Mabbitt, I think, resented, is that Vega was always picked ahead of... Mm. Seemed to be always picked ahead of him. And none, it was one of those things where in the, in the stands you're thinking, why? We, we never understood. But, I mean, he was... I mean, he tr tried his best, didn't he, Ramon? Yeah. I, I, fantastic f physical profile yeah. for a defender. Um, and pr probably, he's certainly... Is is the sort of modern profile that uh, lots of people would want now? No. Yeah, yeah. So um, of course George Graham comes in. What? How do you define him? Very good. Yeah. Very good. So it sort of reverted to very much like Jerry. Like Jerry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's very certainly much, the football yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the, the, the became the the. The game page was that, and you do this, and you do this, yeah. and and we practiced it. So um, a lot of unit work, a lot of back four work, and then he played me in midfield as well. He's another one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny that they all get the sack playing me in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to the League Cup final. We won it, but he didn't pick you for that. No, I, I played in all the. Uh, the all the games leading up to it. Yes, yeah. I didn't play in the semi-finals against Wimbledon. Right. Because um, people had, I don't know, they were obviously back fit or whatever. What I remember about that run is we played Brentford in the early rounds. Right. And David Pleat took the game. I think his his mother had died that day. Or, or And so he, he took the game, Brentford away, and it was it was a really tough game. And we the first half wasn't very pretty at all, and we were getting a bit of a doing. And um, Brentford's, so we come in at half time and uh, David says, uh, come on, boys, we got to play. We got to pass the ball. Yeah. Give me the ball. Pass the ball. We got to play. Yeah. And I said in uh, Anglo-English, any chance of you running about, making a tackle and helping one another on the pitch? And he threw me the biggest custard pie and went, <laughs> Scottish International and walked out. <laughs> so I've jumped up trying to, I'm going for him now. Yeah, yeah. And a few boys, a few boys jumped to stop me. Yeah. Justin Edinburgh sits in the corner and it's the funniest thing he's ever seen in his life. Yeah. And he's, he never let me forget it. <laughs> Scottish International. <laughs> and David Pleat says to me, Colin, Colin, no need to state the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but so it's funny you mentioned David Pleat. You had an interesting thing that David Pleat said. Yeah, yeah. When um, Villa came in for you, I, I was digging out the old programmes yeah. and came across this quote from David after you'd left. He said, we'd made a promise to Colin that should a club approach us with a respectable offer, as he was not getting first-team football, we would not stand in the way of a move. Um, he's a credit to his profession and could well be a future coaching managerial material. So, very astute man. Um, the ironic thing was the fact the day you signed for Villa, Ramon went down, he had a scan on a yeah. dodgy ankle and they operated on him. So, Spurs were then suddenly short and it was sure, a matter of, back. shit, shall we renege on the deal? And they, searching around for a short-term replacement, they got Ledley King out of a youth tournament yeah. who was on the bench a lot towards the tail end of the season. And they signed a guy, there's a name that means nothing to me at all, Roger Nielsen, 
as a short-term replacement. Yeah. Sheffield United. That's it. Yeah, Sheffield United, yeah. That was... Yeah, we'd won the League Cup on the Sunday. Yeah. And on, on the Monday morning, we were in the hotel. Um, and I, uh, my, when I get back to the room after breakfast, I did, um, it was a friend of mine who was at Aston Villa. And he said, um, we'd like to try and buy you. Because they needed they needed an experience. They needed some a centre half because a young Gareth Barry had sort of r ran out of steam. Right. So I did the, the opportunity, and they agreed a fee with um, with Tottenham fairly quickly. Right. So the funny funny story about that is, so I'm, I'm then sitting with Doug Ellis and John Gregory at Villa Park, and I was torn a wee bit because I didn't did I want to leave? No, I didn't. George had said to me, listen. It, He'd given me another contract, and he said, basically said, you're going to be a sort of coach player with the reserves next year, and I know I'll be able to use you if we need you at any point. So I knew exactly where I was, and I thought this might be a, a great sort of start in the coaching journey. Um, but then Aston Villa came in, and, and so I thought, well, I might as well go. Might as well go and play. I was, what, 34, 35 so Doug Ellis is, we're sat in the boardroom at Villa Park and uh, John Gregory says, listen, you've got to go in, you've got to talk to the old man. He'll tell you stories about football. <laughs> okay. He says, just nod your head and uh, smile at him. So Colin, come in, come in, come in. Now then, Colin, Colin. Now, you see that fish? I caught that fish on the River Tweed. <laughs> I'm one of the only chairmen of the... Uh, Premier League club who've actually played professional football. I played for a broth during the war and on and on and on and on. Okay. Yeah, very good. Now, Colin, uh, we're going to sign you from Tottenham Hotspur for an extraordinary amount of money. Too. <laughs> and um, we'll pay you. Oh, dear, that's okay. And uh, um, bloody hell, John, he's 34. <laughs> <laughs> He was a real character, though, when he dug. Deadly dug. Deadly dug, Bloody hell, John, he's 34. Yeah. <laughs> but he still did it. Yeah. He still did it, to be fair to him. I love the way he used to He used to wear those raincoats, because I used to live up that way for a little while, and I always see him driving around in his roller, and he'd, in this immaculate old rover, but he'd look like a tramp with his old Gannex raincoat, you know. Right. Mop of hair. Yeah, yeah probably had his tennis guy. gear on underneath as well, because yeah. he used to, used to love playing tennis. Ah, uh -huh. did it? Right. Yeah. So that was uh, Villa. So, of course, you went on. You've you've had a really good and long coaching career. Was that something you always wanted to do? Did you always think you'd get into that coaching and management? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did my badges when I was twenty four, twenty five. Wow, and that's quite I, unusual, presumably, is it? Yeah, yeah. So I'd um, I was at Swindon at the time, and I'd got the full A license. God. And then as as when I was still playing, I sort of kept upgrading it, going on courses during the summer to get the. Um, it then changed to UEFA license, so I did it with Scotland. Then I went back and upgraded it with the English FA. Then I went back and did the uh, the upgrade with Scotland. So, um, so a lot of summers were taken up going and coaching courses and mm. doing things like that. Mm. So something obviously you love. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I first went to Mansfield, I, I looked at the old youth coach at the time, a guy called Jock Basford, and he wore the old uh, Umbro drill suit. Mm that you would have to wash about 25 times before you could move your legs in it. Yeah. And 
there's just something about his knowledge of football yeah. and his experience and his personality that I wanted to be that man. I wanted to be sitting in a dressing room and I then wanted to stand in the dressing room and deliver what he used to deliver yeah. to me as a youngster. Yeah. And I used to be in awe of people like that. that they, they were t telling me things about football that I had no idea what, what, what it meant at that time. Yeah. So and I wanted to be an educator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you found yourself uh, back at Tottenham as reserve team coach for a couple of years. Yeah. So Glenn couldn't have been too upset because he gave me the job. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I used to watch the team at Stevenage yeah. quite often, you know, and some, uh, some interesting players, you know. I remember quite fondly Goran Benjakovic, yeah. you know, sort of a class above everybody else. Yeah, super. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a part of that old sort of reserve style football that the youngsters miss out on. So, I mean, I've had a team with um, Goran, Ben Thatcher, Ziga, uh, Jamie Redknapp in it, mm. Stephen Everson up front. Yeah. You know, and, and they, are, they are great examples if they try, <laughs> yeah. which they did. Yeah. If they try, they're good examples for the young ones. And there's a little bit, how do you make those that under-21 football closer to what actually happens on a, on a Saturday in league football? Yeah. And it's very, very difficult at the minute. It is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watch the under-23s regularly. And, yeah. You know, every now and again, I'll pick out a player and say, he looks really good. But then when you actually see him eventually playing in the first team, he really struggles. Yeah. You know, and it's such a big step. Such a big step. And that's why so many are sent out on loan. But even yeah. then, you're playing at a lower level generally, aren't you? Yeah, but, but I think that's... People say you teach in the way you learned. And I, I learned by playing as a 17-year-old at Mansfield and having 100 games before I was 20. Yeah. Right. So my, my experience and my, the way I think you learn is, is playing games at whatever level. Yeah. And it, it would be... As I did the pro license, my assignment or my final presentation was all about that how do you how do you make it slightly better and I would definitely have B teams I would definitely get into the conference I'd definitely play non-league with Tottenham reserves that would be the way forward for me right uh, during your long and and you know varied managerial and coaching career you've done, spent a lot of time with Chris Hutton yeah. What's he like as a manager? Because another one, another, you know, as Spurs fans of a certain generation, another one that we, a, a player we love and a figure we love. What's he like as a manager compared to those others that you talked about, Glenn and Ozzy and... Uh... I think people's perception of Chris would be that he's, 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 he's kind yeah. and he's gentle. Yeah. But he's not, he's not that way when you get him in the dressing room. Right. And he can be very direct and, and he's, he's really... Um, very concentrated on what's right, what, what's got to be done. Meticulous, absolutely meticulous in preparation. And would leave no stone unturned. Right. And, you know, he's, uh, he's been really, really helpful for me. And, and when I left Nottingham Forest, he gave me the chance to go in, into Newcastle. And then through various things that happened at Newcastle, we ended up having the team that won the championship. Yeah. And he, he's, where he's brilliant is dealing with the, the controversy that surrounds a big club and all the noise that goes alongside being a manager. He can put that to one side and just sort of 
be very calm. His legs might be going 100 miles an hour beneath mm. the water. Yeah, yeah. But he's really calm, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know, never really change his uh, mood. Yeah. But he's really good in the dressing room with the players. Yeah, yeah. Well, Colin, it's been brilliant talking to you. What, before, we, uh, before we end, just tell us, where does Tottenham Hotspur figure in your memory of in your life in football? Where, do, where does, I mean... Bearing in mind, he's talking to a lot of Tottenham fans. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does it figure? So, as I said before, doing what we did, at, doing what I did at Swindon rates the highest thing. Yeah. I think I was. Um, I think I did my utmost, my best to get to be able to play for Tottenham. That's probably the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that association. Yeah. And whenever I go back. It was that sort of second season, whether it was determination or grit or whatever. I dug in a wee bit, and I think people appreciated that. Absolutely. I I think I can speak for everyone here to say that we absolutely did, and we saw that. Colin, as I say, fantastic uh, privilege to have you here. Thank you ever so much for coming. Thanks for your time, and thanks for everything you did for Spurs. Colin Calderwood, everyone. Thank you. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.